Now is the time when we turn in our Bibles to the book of Colossians. Today we are in Colossians chapter 3. We will pick up in verse 12. And uh, that is on page 1,834 if you're following along in the Pew Bible there. If you do not have your own. If you do have your own, please turn in it with me to Colossians chapter 3. And I'm going to begin in verse 12. Hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let us pray to the God and father above who has revealed himself to us in scripture. I come before you today asking that by your spirit that you proclaim to us that you tell us what we need to hear today. That you show us how we ought to live in light of how we have been changed and show us how to obey the words that have been given to us Obey the words that Jesus told us that we would show him our love by obeying what he taught us. And so as we consider Paul's words today, Paul's words to the Colossians and to us, we do ask that you open our ears so that we hear what you have to say. Open our eyes so that you can show us how we ought to live and show us where we can obey you through the work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So last week, as we considered the previous section, verses 5 through 11, Paul told us that we are to put to death the sin that reigns in our life. As I considered that, as we considered putting to death the sexual immorality, the impurity, the lust, the evil desires, the greed, which is idolatry, as we considered putting to death the anger, the rage, the malice, the slander, and the filthy language from our lips, That is typically where we stop when we consider living in the way that God has commanded us to live. We consider only the negative aspects that, hey, I deal with anger, so I need to put to death anger. Or I deal with lustful thoughts, so I must put to death these lustful thoughts. And as I considered moving forward, I was reminded of Jesus' words in Luke chapter 11. As he's talking to the Pharisees, as he's talking to the religious leaders, he says, when an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes in and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and they live there. And the final condition of that man is worse than the first. 
And the warning there is in light of what Paul teaches us today is that if we do the work of of putting off the old man, of of putting sin to death, of getting the house of our heart in order, and yet do not fill it with something else or put on the new man as it is, we can actually end up worse than we were when we began. And so Paul, after telling us to put off the old man, after putting sin to death, he then tells us to clothe ourselves with certain things. But he reminds us once again, and I almost feel like I'm, I'm just kind of hitting this, this horse over and over and over again. But if it was important for Paul to remind us over and over and over again, it's important for me to remind us over and over and over again. He, he does not leave us with just declaring to us what we should do. He reminds us first who we are. And he reminds us there in that very short word at the beginning of our passage, therefore. And what is the therefore there for? It points us back to the last portion of verse 11, where it says, but Christ is all and is in all. We cannot put on these new habits. We cannot put on the old man except for the fact that we are already declared a new creation in Christ. Everything we need for holy living has been provided for us in Jesus. In the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we are just coming alongside the truth that is already real about us and coming alongside the work that God is already doing in us. And so we are commanded to do something, but we are not commanded to do it alone. The last portion of today's passage, which is picked up for us in verse 15, says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual psalms with gratitude in your hearts to God. Oftentimes, as we think about the work of putting off or putting to death the sinful habits in our life and then putting on these new glorious habits that we're going to talk about in a few minutes, we can be daunted. We can be discouraged by the depth of the work. Because honestly, hopefully you have discovered this in your walk as I have, that the more I dig into the depths of my depravity, more I dig into trying to put to death the sin in my life and trying to clothe myself with these new clothes, I can get discouraged because it can be a very, very difficult walk. And the temptation for me is to go about this walk on my own. But Paul says, no, you don't have to do this by yourself. He says, you have been placed in a body. You have been placed in a body of believers. You are not alone in this particular walk. In the parallel passage to this, when in Ephesians, when Paul talks about the new man, he is not talking about individuals. He takes a plural group of people. Now, you in the scriptures and our English scriptures can be very deceiving Sometimes it's plural, sometimes it's singular, but in English, it's the same three letter word. But thankfully, we kind of live in the South, so we can say 
Y'all. So Paul in Ephesians says, y'all are a new you. Y'all are a new singular creation. Y'all are a new man. You are being knit together in one holy body whose head is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this works itself out and is marked in two different things, as Paul explains here. First is peace. Peace is not merely the absence of conflict in relationships. It is also a wholeness in those relationships. We oftentimes think of our own personal peace as being a wholeness within each and every one of us. But peace is a wholeness in relationships. It is an absence of conflict in relationships. And this peace is to rule or to umpire in our hearts. You know, when we are making decisions about living with each other in the body of Christ, we are to let peace rule those decisions. You know, the reality is we are sinful human beings that are trying to live as the people of God, as one whole unified people of God. But God has provided peace for us. And sometimes there are things that we do within the church, things that are monumental, like maybe a new building project or maybe even moving from one facility to another facility, neither of which we are considering right now. But as sakes of example, those things can cause contention among the people of God. But sometimes it's the little things as well, is it not? Sometimes it can just be a word that said maybe in in a cross attitude or maybe somebody says something to me that I take the wrong way. And instead of pursuing peace in that in that place, I pursue contention. I pursue arrogance. I pursue rudeness and I can rip apart the people of God. But God has given me peace, so I must let peace rule in my heart's in the relationship with the people of God. So the people of God should be marked by peace. The second thing we should be marked by is the word of Christ. The word of Christ is the fact that Jesus represents that God, everything that God has revealed about himself and about salvation. Uh, Crossway.org, Crossway is a publishing house that has published several study Bibles. They've also have a translation, the English Standard Bible and And on their website, they have a list of 66 articles of how each and every book of the Bible points to Jesus as the fulfillment of all that is taught within those books of the Bible. The word of Christ, the word of God, everything that is revealed in the gospel and in scriptures is to mark each and every one of us is to mark the body of Christ. And how is it to mark the body of Christ? Well, It's to mark us, it's to dwell within us richly as we teach and admonish one another. Why are we here today? We're here to glorify God, are we not? But you know, there's a secondary earthly reason as to why we are here. We oftentimes look at that passage in Hebrews that says, do not abandon the gathering together of the brothers or sisters because I'm going to be encouraged But actually, if we read that in context, 
It tells me not to abandon the gathering and of together of brothers and sisters so that you can be encouraged. It tells you not to abandon the gathering together of the brothers and sisters so everybody else in the room can be encouraged. Your presence here encourages each other. Your willingness to let the word of God dwell richly in you gives you the ability to teach and admonish each one another. Allows us to help each other as we seek to put to death the sinful practices in our life and bring to life these practices of holiness that Paul is going to talk about us, talk about to us here in a few moments. But how specifically does he tell us to use the scripture to teach and admonish? By singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual psalms. The songs, hymns, and spiritual songs should be filled with the scripture. We open with the reading and the singing of a psalm in our worship. Those should teach and admonish you. We fill our worship service with scripture, whether it's confessions built upon scripture, whether it's it's assurances of pardon that come from Scripture, whether it's the New Testament or Old Testament reading, whichever it is, whether it's the preaching and proclaiming of a specific passage in the word. Our our entire worship service is to be soaked in the word of God, the word of Christ, as it teaches us and admonishes us. But specifically, he deals with our songs here. Why would he deal with that? You ever you ever had it, had an earworm? You know what an earworm is? It, it's one of those songs that you hear on the radio that you just absolutely do not like, but you can't get it out of your head. And I'm going to do it to myself right now. Please don't tell my heart, my achy, breaky heart. Man, I, that will be in my head for weeks. And it will be stuck there. That's an earworm. That's the power of music. Music touches our emotions. Music touches our intellect. Music touches our heart. And Paul says, let the music of the church, whether you are singing scripture, whether you are singing hymns, whether you are singing other types of spiritual songs, let them be so soaked with scripture that scripture becomes the earworm that you just can't get out of your head. That scripture becomes that song that as soon as you hear it, it just keeps going over and over in your head and you just can't get it out. There are there's a, a couple channels on Spotify. If you do Spotify called Sing Scripture and they actually take the words out of English translations of the scripture and directly put them to music. You have trouble memorizing the scripture. Find something along those lines that will allow scripture to be sung, that will allow the music to not only have the words permeate your intellect, but also have the music touch your heart. And that way, the word can teach and admonish one another. We are not alone in our pursuit of holiness. We are in this together as the body of Christ. And we are in this together as the body of Christ marked by peace and the word of God or the word of Christ. But Paul starts this section by commanding us to put on holiness. He uses the wardrobe Imagery there where he says to clothe yourselves and he says to clothe yourselves with some some specific things. The first is compassion. Compassion is literally heartfelt sympathy. 
It is weeping with those who weep. It is mourning with those who mourn. It is struggling with those who struggle. It is wrestling with those who are wrestling with the darkness and the difficulty of living in this world. We are to compl- we are to clothe ourselves with compassion. We are also to clothe ourselves with kindness. Kindness is God's gracious acts and attitudes towards sinners coming out of us toward others. In 2 Samuel 9, David takes the grandson of Saul and gives him a place at his table. And even when Mephibosheth betrays David later in the story, David still invites him back to the table, still treats him kindly. There are going to be times in the people of God where where people just rub us the wrong way. But we are to treat them with the same grace that God shows to us when we rub him the wrong way. Humility. We are to clothe ourselves with humility. This is not thinking less of yourself. This is thinking of others as greater than ourselves. This is putting the needs of others before our own needs. Paul, going to the people of of Corinth, said, look, I had every right to expect payment from you. But so that the gospel might be proclaimed, I set aside that right. And I provided for myself while I proclaimed the gospel to you. I thought more of your need for the gospel than my need for physical well-being, for, for economic payment. Gentleness. How do we, we are, we are tempted to, to deal with other people in, in argumentative and arrogant attitudes. Gentleness is the opposite of that. Gentleness is understanding that somebody who is maybe new in the faith may not know as much as you do about the scriptures and needs somebody to treat them gently as they, as you walk with them through that process of growing in faith. And patient. We are to clothe ourselves with patience. Patience is is also referred to in other translations as long suffering, which means exactly what it sounds like. You suffer with somebody for a long time. It means that we understand that God has worked in our lives and in our patterns over a long period of time. We must be patient as he works in in other people's sinfulness and other people's patterns over a long period of time. We are also to clothe ourselves with forgiveness. And he hits us pretty hard here with this one because he says we are to forgive others in the same way that God has forgiven us. Peter, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, if my brother wrongs me, how many times must I forgive him? Seven times? Seven is one of those kind of numbers of wholeness, numbers of perfection. And so if I forgive somebody seven times, then I've forgiven them enough. I've forgiven them completely. And if they come and offend me the eighth time, I must let them go. Jesus says, no, 70 times seven. Now, who many, how many of us in here are, number one, going to get close to 490 times of forgiving somebody? And number two, who's going to be counting all 490 times. That might be a sign you're not really forgiving them if you're ticking them off every time you do. But Jesus knew 
what God was going to do to forgive Peter and James and John and the other nine disciples. Jesus knew what was going to happen to forgive them. And God forgave everything. And God continues to forgive us when we when we get in the middle of this putting on holiness and we say, you know what? I've been freed from the prison of my sin. But I would rather wear those slave clothes than these glorious clothes of holiness. So instead of taking off my sin, I'm going to take off my holiness and put on sin. And when we come back to God and say, I messed up. He remembers the forgiveness that was purchased for us on the cross. And he says, I forgive you. You still might get disciplined, but the discipline we're told in Scripture is not as bad as it could be. But he forgives us. And so we are to clothe ourselves with forgiveness, forgiving others in the same way that Christ has forgiven us, that God has forgiven us in the work of Christ, in the work of Jesus. And so we have clothed ourselves with compassion. We have clothed ourselves with kindness, humility, gentleness, patience and forgiveness. And he said, above all of these other things, if you only get one of these things right. Clothe yourselves with love. Now, love is not just a a warm, tingly feeling in your heart towards somebody. It is a self-sacrificing love. It is a love that is a commitment to somebody. It is a love that says, I am willing to do whatever for you needs to be done so that you might be more holy before God. We, we have our, our membership oaths, our membership questions that we take. And one of those questions is, do you promise in the strength of the Holy Spirit? All those questions are in the context of the strength of the Holy Spirit. Do you promise to pursue the peace, purity and prosperity of the church. We make a self-sacrificing commitment to the holiness of each other. And I think what Paul is trying to tell us here is if you work on love. The rest of these will fall into place, because if I am willing to be self-sacrificial in committing to your holiness, well, when you stumble and fall, I'm going to have compassion on you. I'm going to be kind to you in leading you back to that putting on the holiness. I'm going to be humble coming before you because I understand that I have many of the same struggles that you do. I'm going to be gentle with you and patient with you and forgiving of you. Because I have made a self-sacrificing commitment to you. Because I love you as Christ, as Jesus, as God has loved me. So we are not alone in our pursuit of holiness. We are called to put on holiness. And just as he opened up by reminding us who we are, he closes this passage by saying, remember who you are. Verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, That pretty much encompasses everything, does it not? Our words flow out of our thoughts. And so the words we say should be spoken in the name of Jesus Christ. The deeds that we do, the work that we do, the 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 interaction within our families, the interaction within our friends, the interaction within our workplace, 
the place where we do our hobbies, the place where we eat our food, everything that we do, every deed that we do should be done in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean at the end of every sentence, instead of a period, I say in Jesus name, kind of like we pray, you know, we get to the end of a prayer and we say in Jesus name, amen, or or as I I'm I'm heading to work today, sweetie, in the name of Jesus. No, that's that's not what he's talking about here. What he's talking about here is we pursue holiness in remembering who we are in Christ. We pursue holiness, we pursue work, we pursue life, we pursue deeds and words, seeking to remind ourselves moment by moment that I am united to Christ and being united to Christ means that I am holy, I am glorious before him, I am forgiven and I am accepted. How do we remind ourselves on a moment by moment basis of who we are before Christ? He actually told us three times in these last few verses in verses 15 through 17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. I I seek to pray by some type of structure when I have my my structured prayer time. Typically, it's the ACTS structure, adoration. You know, I begin by by praising God for who he is and for what he has done. Next, I confess my sins. That's the C and the Acts acrostic there. Confess my sins. The S stands for supplication. Uh, which just means requests. But that T in there stands for thanksgiving. And typically what I do is thank you, God, for everything you've given me. Now let's get on to the important stuff, which is what I need, which is the requests and the thanksgiving. But what Paul says here is every thought, every word, every deed I do should be done in thanksgiving to God for what he has done for me and to me through Jesus Christ. My, that, that section of thanksgiving, as important as it is to thank God for my family, as important as it is to thank God for this church, as important as, important as it is for me to thank God for everything he has provided for me. It's more important that I stop and spend a lot of time thanking God for my salvation. First question in our membership questions. What is it? For those of you that just recently, this is close to the top of your head. But the first question is, do you admit that you stand before God without any hope because you're a sinner and he is perfect or something along those lines? We have to affirm that. And then the second question is, do you affirm that Jesus is that only hope and do you embrace him as your Lord and Savior? And we must live life thanking God for every moment, for every opportunity, for every chance to put on holiness. 
Be anxious for nothing, but in prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your request known to God and he will give you the peace that passes all understanding in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That comes from Philippians four. I come upon trials in my life. And those trials are opportunities for me to take off the old man and put on the new. How many of you have gone through trials? Hopefully I'm not the only one in the room, but how many of you gone, have gone through trials and you came out the other side of them with some sin having been peeled away and at least opened up so that you could see it and that so that you could deal with it? And sometimes we come through the other side of those victorious over at least a portion of those sins. Do we thank God as we're going through the trials for the work of grace that is being done in our life where God is helping us take off and put to death sin and then put on holiness? Do we thank God when we walk out the door because he has provided salvation so that as we get angry at the traffic around us, that maybe we will be able to be to be strengthened to do the work to put aside that anger? Do we thank God for who we are in Jesus Christ, knowing that that is the only means by which we can do words and deeds that glorify him? That is how we do everything, whether in the word or deed in the name of Jesus Christ. Is by being reminded constantly through thanksgiving of what has been given for us, for our salvation and for our sanctification. So we are not alone in our pursuit of holiness. But we are called to put on holiness in light of who we are in Christ. If I leave you with anything today, if I leave you with any call, it's these two things. Number one, do better at being thankful. It's something I've been dealing with over the last year because I truly do oftentimes sit there in my prayer time saying, thank you for everything you've got given me. Now let's get on to the important stuff. Here's what I need, which is usually what I want. We need to work to be more thankful in our lives. And as we work to be more thankful to God, especially for our salvation, we will be reminded of who we are in Jesus. You are holy. You are blameless. You are chosen and you are loved. In light of that, put on holiness. You are holy, be holy. The second thing I would admonish each and every one of us to do today is to work on putting on love. Many of us do this well in this in this room. Many of us love our brothers and sisters very well. But instead of maybe trying to put on the big picture of love, pick one of those things that we talked about. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience and forgiveness. And resolve by the help of God, by working in light of who you are before God, put on one of those things. Maybe there's something between you and another brother and sister. That you just need to go to them and say, I am working on putting on forgiveness. Maybe there's somebody struggling in this congregation that you have watched and watched and not known what to do. Just walk up to them in compassion and heartfelt sympathy and say, I'm here. Let me help. 
Or maybe you've just been frustrated by somebody in your life who, you know, I've dealt with them, I've taught them, I've admonished them, I have spoken the word of God in their life and they just don't get it. Maybe put off that frustration and put on kindness, gentleness and forgiveness and humility, realizing that, you know what, there's probably somebody in your life as well that's saying, I have taught and admonished them over and over again and they just don't get it. Seek to put on love. Seek to be thankful. Let us pray. Our gracious God, our Holy Father, we do seek to live a life of thankfulness for what you have done for us. We are sinners without hope, and yet we are redeemed and holy because of the work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We stand before you as chosen people, as beloved people, people that you love. Help us to live our lives thankful for that, in tune with that reality as we seek to love one another in holiness and in truth. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.